You have to press it twice, otherwise it won't actually go. It's probably an accidental press. All right, shoot. Because I did that with uh, the inter- interview with um, Smith, yeah, Evangelist uh, Smith, and uh, for like 15 minutes yeah. we are talking, and then, um, oh, this has been on pause the whole time. To me, you got to visually confirm, because I don't need to start talking the minute I press play, because you can just edit what, whatever out. So, you know. uh, when we uh, do recordings at the church... We um, we'll start recording during the singing, and just so if there's any issues, we have time yeah. to correct it. Uh-huh. If you wait, you can see the yeah, you can see the sound wave, the sound form, and uh, the waveform. Sorry, uh, so that is just you can see where each song is, and then clip it. She can clip it and go in and find mm. right. That's some preaching good That's some good job, actually. Mm. All right, so. How would you describe your childhood? Oh, miserable. Miserable. Yes, it was... Uh, I had a pretty rough childhood. My uh, dad was in the Navy for six years. Met my mom in the Navy. Uh, they had me after uh, they had known each other, I think, a couple of years. She got out of the Navy after about four years to raise me. I think my dad stayed in about two more years. And... Um, when he got out, uh, he moved to uh, Virginia, and uh, which I have no memory. No, North Carolina maybe, and then Virginia. And I don't really have any memories of that. I have a, one tiny memory of North Carolina uh, going after a church function, going out to a, uh, somebody's house, and um, it was out in the out in the in the middle of a field, and there was a tree line of trees and. I remember my dad pointing at me and showing, saying there's a deer right there. I didn't know what he was pointing at. And uh, we ate some homemade ice cream. I remember that. And then uh, my memories, I was telling my wife this uh, a few months ago. I was like, you know, my memories don't really start until I'm about five. I have little bits and pieces. But once you hit about five years old, and then they're kind of, they're sketchy. You know, like I don't remember the first three, two, three years of my sister's life. Like mm. in my memories, all of a sudden she's there. She's three. Mm. Like it's, wow. it's just the way the memory works, right? But once you get five, six, seven, then they they kick in. But my dad, uh, terrible, terrible, terrible with money. If he had money, he spent it, mm. and he spent it frivolously. And we were always uh, one. I can't even say paycheck because you know. But we were always like one day away from either. Having the power shut off, uh, having utilities shut off, getting evicted, um, you name it. And my dad... Uh, and you guys knew this? Oh, yeah. But by the time I was about eight or nine years old, I was very much conscious because I could see the stress on my mom. Uh-huh. And I, hey, Mama, what's up? You know, oh, you know, we, 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 we're, you know, you know as, as, a, as an adult, you try and shield your child from the, the hardships of life sometimes. And for the longest time, I was just like, oh, man, it's just, it's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. So uh, later that would change. But no. And then my dad was also uh, extremely hot-tempered. Mm-hmm. He was abusive, mo- mostly verbally, but he could also be physically abusive. So was my dad. I'm just kidding. He's in the next room. Uh, uh, but no, my dad, he took joy in uh, belittling and tearing you down, whether wow. you were... Five or six years old, or thirty-six years old. He just loved to just to just just rip into you, and I I have that uh, in me. Uh, 
it's I don't let it come out and I don't um, I don't enjoy it but I do have that ability to where if I have someone cornered you know if I'm having a political discussion with somebody I'll I'll just rip them apart and I won't stop until they're just like meat pulp all over the place and I've had to in the last decade or so go I mean it's not really worth it you, you, you point the next broken so to speak you know mm-hmm. uh, walk away it's over right so he was that way he was that way he was extremely brutal to my mom um, again mostly verbal but you know there were some times when uh, there was physical violence uh, and a lot of people when I tell us tell this stuff to him they go oh your dad that knew that knew my dad oh he wasn't like no well, my dad was very charming to the outside world it, but that world that was behind closed doors was you know the reality so uh yeah it was it was really it was really miserable really rough okay um what do you wish you would have known or learned as a child uh, what do I wish I would have? Yeah, known maybe or something learned? that you didn't understand or whatever. I was a very soft, tender kid, mm-hmm. which is interesting because my sister was a completely opposite of me. Mm-hmm. And uh, my sister, you could have—I mean, hypothetically, you know—I'm not not in reality, but uh, you could have smacked a two by four across her head. She would have been like, "Huh?" What? Yeah. Whereas me, you could have just whispered strongly, and I would—I would have—I would have shirked back a little bit, and I would. So, but my dad was like a blowtorch, and he just he tore everybody apart. Uh, I was naturally inquisitive about things, but growing up, it was shut up, quit talking, yeah. and that was shut down until probably oh my early thirties. Wow! As a matter of fact, uh, I didn't go to college, uh, but a lot of people used to tell me I needed to go to college, and just the thought of going to a school and being revealed for being a total fool or ignoramus uh, would get the heart palpitating and mm. I'd, get, I'd get cold sweats like I can't I can't do that mm. it was learning was terrifying because when I grew up if you gave a wrong answer you were actually punished yeah that's because so it was like you're not trying hard enough and you'd get your hand smacked with a ruler you'd get backhanded you'd have to do push-ups you know whatever Thank you, honey. There we go. All right, so we're definitely here. I'm just gonna. There you go. I won't go anywhere now. Okay. So you were intimidated by college. Very much. Or learning. And uh, you don't think maybe a high school diploma or a GD would have helped that situation? Well, going through the uh, the. The motions of going in and getting studying and being graded and all that, yeah, I probably would have helped it. But as I got older and older, you know, 19, 20, 21, 22, 25, there was a certain amount of shame associated with, you know, almost everybody I knew around me had either a high school degree, there's a few GEDs, high school degree, or college degree. By the time you're 25, 26, most everyone around you has, either, has already either started college or it's finished college, or is in college. So, you know, I would kind of just kind of hold. I was like the guy. I mean, I could. I was fine. I was literate, but I was the guy who makes it to forty-five years old and nobody knows he doesn't know how to read. I was. I was basically that guy. I, in my mind, anyways, I had gotten to my mid to upper twenties, 
And I don't know how I'd skated by it. Because remember, I've always been self-employed. So I never had to fill out... Of course, now I know that they don't really check that stuff. But I never had to fill out a, a job application. They ask you what school you graduated from. Mm. I could have made up whatever. Yeah. Nobody knows. Yeah, they're not going to Yeah, check. no. So, yeah. So at 18, what were your aspirations around that time? I had no aspirations. My aspirations were to survive. Uh, survive. Yeah. I needed... As I moved out right around then, uh, my relationship with my father had just completely disintegrated, mm-hmm. and I, I had to go. And it was funny is because uh, most people go, "Oh, your dad made you leave." And I was like, "No, no, no. I, I, I was." It was a mutual decision. No, it was not. No? He want, he wanted me to stay. Oh, okay. And he tried hard to get me to stay uh, because I was paying most of the bills. Oh. 18 years old. Wow. I was paying probably oh, half of the bills. What was your income at the time? Oh, at that time, it was probably oh, 1300 bucks a month. I know. Yeah. But like, how did you get your income? I was cleaning windows. Okay. Yeah, my dad had cleaned windows. and uh, Did you split off from him? Or no. You just took over? No. I started my own. Oh, you started your own. So he sold it when, he, when I was 16, 17 years old. Right before you could have taken over. Yeah. Yeah, he sold it for a, a phenomenal amount of $6,000. Oh. <clears throat> and which to him was like 600000 Remember, oh, yeah. money to him was, you know, so like $6,000, you know. Yeah, yeah. That would be like selling your business now for like thirty five grand. It's like not very much money. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Probably less than that. Probably thirty grand. So uh, I went to work for the company he sold it to. I worked for them for maybe two months. They were a-holes. And uh, they fired me. And I'm not saying they're a-holes because they fired me. They were legit not good people. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. So I guess I guess I'm cleaning windows now. And I hated it with a white-hot passion because I did basically was doing the same thing my dad did. And anything I associated with my dad, I associated with misery. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know what he was doing. So he really was never profitable. So he was self-employed? Yes, he was self-employed. For how long? Most uh... Probably. Now, he'll, 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 art, he'll disagree, but it's the, the fact of the, is that I've been in business longer than he has now. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for him to wrap it because he's older than me, so how does that work? Uh, he was self-employed from 1985 to 1993. It's only eight years. It seemed it seemed like an eternity back in the day. It's only eight years, and then uh, he sold his business, and I started my business. To be fair, he uh, would go out and uh, kind of you know knock on doors and, and put out my card for about a month or so. He did that until I was up and running, and um, but I was living with him still. So he, his whole thing was, "Hey, you need to help out." I'm like, "Okay, so." I didn't know anything. I was just I was just miserable. Every day it was miserable. I would the stress on me was so great because I would come home and I had like a bad day and you know, how much money did you make today? Uh made thirty five dollars. Mm-hmm. Let me have it. So he would just take you know, he'd take most of it, he'd get he'd leave me like ten dollars for gasoline mm-hmm. and that was it, right? And uh if the car broke down, which we had I had a piece of junk car, my car was six years old than I was. Uh, it's like, well, there everything you made today just gets wiped out, and uh, so we at that point in time we were renting a mobile home. It's a decent mobile home, but the rent was probably five hundred bucks a month, 
and uh, which I was paying about three hundred of it, and I'd also pay for half the groceries. Wow! And uh, so he would say, if you don't make X number of dollars by the end of next week, your family, which was myself, my mom, him, my sister who's three years younger than me, and my baby brother who at that point in time was only about two or three. We're going to be on the streets. Hmm. No pressure. So you had the <laughs> childhood uh, of feeling that way, uh, insecurity, food insecurity, as they say. Yeah, really, yeah. Um, to now you're uh, entering into adulthood and you better contribute otherwise. It's on you now. You know? Yeah. Even though he was perfectly healthy, Yeah. he had other things he wanted to do. And basically I was just a conscripted slave, essentially. Mm, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm guessing by 25, your biggest, well, okay, so you moved out about 18, right? I moved out about 18, uh, I had a, a, uh, to this day, I'll be forever grateful, he's passed away, now he's been gone probably 20 years. Um, there was a man that used to live next to the church that my dad pastored, if you can believe that, he was a pastor, Mm -hmm. uh, that I just befriended, he was like a grandfather to me, and, uh, he kind of saw right through my dad, and he knew he was a BS artist. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, hey, I said, look, I said, I got, I got to get out. You know, I'm 17, about to turn 18. You know, you can live, you can live here. And his whole thing was help out with utilities and cut the grass. I was like, okay. So, so, you, uh, so you went from, it's, it's going to cost an indefinite amount of money. There's no set rules mm-hmm. to here's what you need to focus on. What, electricity? Yeah, it was probably like, like 75 bucks a month. Yeah, and cut my grass. Yeah. That's sad, which is a huge reduction. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was funny because most people go, well, when I left my home, my quality of living, most people drops. Yeah. Because they're living on their own. But I still had my window cleaning business, except now I answer to nobody. Yeah. So instantly, I got to keep all the money that I was earning. So... My income uh, more than doubled, yeah, overnight, and my bills dropped through the floor. Yeah, and uh, I remember the first month living in that back. He was a cigarette smoker. He smoked Marlboros. Huh. Uh, it's kind of weird. Every once in a while, I will get a hint of a certain kind of cigarette. Yeah, and it'll take me back to that time period in my life. Uh-huh. And people and people used to think that I smoked because I smelled like cigarette oh, smoke, yeah. but I didn't. Uh, what was it? Gold or red or what? I think it might have been gold, actually. Okay. Yeah. I think they were marbles, but they had—I don't know what the gold meant. Meant I don't know what it meant. Yeah. But um, gold is kind of in the middle. You got the the silver, which is super light. Gold's middle, and then, then red's the red, the... and then black. Oh, he, I know he never did black. He may have done some red, yeah. which I think it was mainly red and gold. Of course, this is back when a carton of cigarettes was like nine bucks. Mm-hmm. They're like fifty bucks now. Yeah. They're... So. Uh, for the first month after I'd come home from work, all I would do was sleep, and I was having. You came home from work and you just went. To came work. to the, my new my new. I had a I had a. It was a big mobile home. It was a single wide, but it, him and his wife had bought it. She had died, or a few years before that, she had muscular dystrophy, or multiple sclerosis. That's what she had. And uh, so there was a room that had never been used in the back, and it had a. a Bathroom attached to it. It was like brand new. In a mobile home. In the mobile home. And his is on the front. Yeah, so we live on each end of the mobile home. Okay. And he's in his like 60s, upper 60s at this point. Mm-hmm. Basically like a grandfather figure. Did you need to go through the house to exit? 
Uh, there was a back door and a front door, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Were I, you able to go out the back? And, yeah. And yeah. so you're basically like an, an apartment? Yeah, uh, but we were friends. Yeah. So we, I'd get home from work, and he's sitting there watching TV, and there's like it was like a little counter, which he had, he was a handy handy guy, which he had lowered because his wife had it in a wheelchair. Uh-huh. So the, the countertop was probably a little bit lower than this, huh. right? We, he'd just be sitting there smoking, and I'd just be, oh, this happened today, and you know. And I, I, a little sidebar, I used to, because my dad and my mom were always at each other's throats, I I came from a war zone. People were screaming, screaming at each other all the time. I can get to the point to now where I'll I'll be screaming, but I can't do it for more than a minute or two. And I'm just like, what am I doing? I don't want to do this anymore. So I remember one day I had a flat tire and it cost $35 to buy a new, a, a, a used tire. Mm-hmm. Again, I wasn't Rockefeller. Right. I didn't buy new right. tires. Yeah. Who, who, who buys new I've tires? Yeah, well, I did it. I did it for years. They blew out on me. On me too. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I got a, a new used tire. By the time I I had, uh, but I think I only made like thirty dollars that day. So I basically wiped out everything I'd earned the day before and barely replaced it. I remember coming home and I was so angry, so frustrated. I was just pissed off. This is back when you were living with your parents? Right? No, no, this oh, is this, when I was living, is, yeah. There, okay. His name was Mr. Sickle. Okay. And uh, I, I remember he just looked at me, he kind of laughed, and he goes, why are you so angry about things that you can't control? Yeah. And I was just like, what? Huh. And he goes, why are you so angry? Yeah. And I just kind of, in my head, I'm sitting there going, why am I so angry? Yeah. You know? And it, what it was is just years and years and years of rage. Yeah. That, you know, who knows how I would have turned out if I'd gotten into drugs or whatever. Uh, it would have all just come out, and I could have been a good, you know, criminal or something like that. And but I, I to that day, I started. That was kind of a turning point in my temperament, and I started to realize, wow, you know, why, why? And it's, then I started to get to the point where, what? I don't want to be angry all the time. And I was, I was angry all the time. It was like a constant coal fire, just like burning. It would just like eat, leak out of me. And it probably took 10 years before I finally got to a point where I was tolerable to be around. I really, some of these girls that I dated, like in my uh, mid-20s, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I I feel sorry for them. Mm -hmm. Because I was so um, wound up, Mm -hmm. and I would just take offense at everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd be always arguing, and I just thought people that argue in relationships all the time, it's what you do. Yeah. It's what you do. I didn't know any better. Uh, that podcast that you recommended to me listen to, he said something really great. <clears throat> he said um, that I've never heard before, which is rare because I've heard a whole lot, right? You know, mm-hmm. Lots of books and all that stuff. He says if if you have a, a problem that can be solved by money mm-hmm. and you've got the money you to solve problem. the problem, you don't have a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, <laughs> which you made turn. the money. I know it's a small margin, mm-hmm. but you had made the money, and you mm-hmm. you, you had to spend it. The next well, time. what I saw it was, it, uh, remember, we I come from poverty, and my dad had way too much pride to take food stamps. Mm, yeah. So we they were we were so poor. People have a really hard time understanding what poverty really is, because uh, you know we were poor enough to where we would open the door. You know, I remember this one time I opened the door. It was a box of. Cardboard box full of food and groceries in there. Oh. Mm. Somebody, I don't know who it was. I kind of know. I think it was Mr. Sickle. I don't know for a fact. Uh, somebody knew that we were struggling. 
you know, when my mom was like making dinner out of potatoes and hamburger and macaroni, yeah. we drink, you know, it was just, it was horrible, Scott. It was mm. horrible. And it wasn't like, oh, we had a bad patch. This was 17, 18 years of this the stuff. The entire time. Yeah. And after I left, it continued. And it, it continued until the day my youngest brother left about seven or eight years ago. Okay, so you have one sister. How many? One, uh, I have one sister, one brother. She's three years younger than me. My brother's fourteen years younger. He just turned thirty-one. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, when did you start? Um, when did you start becoming ambitious? Uh, um, well, ambitious. Uh, well, what, what was a real turning point? You said that part was a, a turning point in your mentality on mm-hmm. how to approach circumstances. You know, was there a turning point in your life where you became you, you went from meandering around in life mm-hmm. to I, I have a plan and a purpose? Where was that? Or was um, it just a, a long evolution? It's both. There, I can think of three things that happened over a long period of time. The first thing was when I was about uh, nine years old. We went to a church uh, out in Cal Allen, which is about 20 miles from here, which at that point in time was not in Corpus Christi. Now it's part of Corpus Christi. Uh, and it was called uh, Central Baptist Church, now called River Hills Baptist Church. And uh, most of the people that w- my family was friends with were fairly poor. They weren't, or they were lower middle class or something like that. We would be considered just below poverty line. So we were the bottom, bottom, you know. So I remember my dad was very much, if you have money, it means you're greedy and you're materialistic if you have stuff. Okay. And I was like, okay. You know, you take, you, you, your dad tells you stuff, you just go, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. And uh, there are things in the Bible that support the fact that people that are greedy oftentimes have a lot of stuff but that doesn't mean you know if you have a lot of stuff you're greedy right right? logical fallacy right so I remember one day there was a family friend of ours and they had a junker car like we did we had a junker car everything was hunky dory one day we pull up to church and I see a brand new I want to say it was gold or a beige champagne color it's like 1985 1986 Chevrolet uh, Caprice. Wow. And that family that had that junker car gets out of the car. And I'm going, wait, what? Happened? How How can they do that? Yeah. It's not and supposed I, to happen. And, uh, You're supposed to be the same your whole yeah, life. Yeah. And I, 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 I was like, wait a minute. We can't do that. What? What? How, how did they do that? And I remember showing my, telling my dad, look at the, I don't even remember who it was anymore. Look at the Jones. They got a, they got a new car. So later on, my dad goes, you know, you know that materialism gets to it. Got to him. <laughs> and I remember going, yeah, but we know the Joneses. They don't seem like they're super materialistic. And what was happening there is they were leveling up. Yeah. They were being more successful. He had a new job. We paid more. Or, uh, you know, he got a raise or whatever. I don't know what, what event caused them to be able to afford that car. But that car back then was probably, you know, 11 or 12 grand brand new. But I just remember just going, oh, I mean, like, what? How did that, how that? And he, when he told me that, it was the very first seedlings of going, maybe my dad doesn't know what he's talking about. Because mm. I know the Joneses. They're not evil people. Right. They don't have a lot of money. Yeah. They did something different. Second thing was, um, 
1990. So it's like four years later. And there's this, uh, we, we, my dad would listen to, you know, AM band. He turned the radio on one day. January of 1990, it's a brand new year. That would actually end up being a very rough year for us. But this guy comes on the radio and he starts talking about how great the country is and opportunity and experience and uh, capitalism. And he talked about how he came from nowhere and he was where he was and very braggadocious. Well, that guy was Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> and I remember sitting there going, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and it wasn't that he was telling me things I never heard before. He was kind of confirming a lot of things. And I, he was he was constantly telling you, you can do it, you can do it, you can you do it. You have to have that mind. Right? And uh, where I came from is like, you can't do it. The world's against you. You shouldn't. You just it. have a lot of bad luck, and yeah. it's just ne- it's just never gonna happen for you. I'm sorry, yeah. and uh, you know, uh, might as well not even try. And which, I, which is why I hate the government programs that we have because that's basically what we're teaching either minorities or it doesn't matter what color you are. It's like you know, you never hear you, you can't make it in this world. Look at your mm-hmm. skin color. We'll take care of you. It just ruins people. So that started, and you know, Rush Limbaugh was like. 85, 90% politics, right? Right. But every once in a while, if yeah. you listen to him, he'd go, yeah. and he, he had, you can tell he had a huge love for the country. Yeah. And he was so optimistic. And man, I was just like, it was like refreshing water compared to what I was living in. Yeah. It was like cool, refreshing, sweet water. Like So that got me thinking, so there is a way out of this. And so, for, well, that was 1990. So you gotta go, you know, about twenty years mm. forward. Uh, yeah. And I, you know, I moved out my business. I struggled for years, and then I started to uh, glom on to people like Steve Jobs. And I was like, there was no Elon Musk yet that right. radar. And that's but, late nineties, right? Uh, no, that's uh, late nineties, early two thousands. Okay. Yeah. Um, Elon Musk was probably messing around with PayPal at that point in time, but I didn't even know who he was. Right, right. But, uh, you know, your Warren Buffett's, your Steve Jobs was at uh, Next Computers and all that stuff. I started to get into tech and all that stuff. I liked it. And uh, so about 2005 or so, I started to go, you know what? I had a moment where I had a customer that go, he was an a-hole, and he was like, hey, man, you're gonna, this is all I'm going to pay you. You know, if you don't want to do my windows for X number of dollars, you know, fine. Uh, and I remember I just I was like okay I accepted it and I was so angry at him angry at myself and I swore to myself from now on I'm going to get paid what I think I'm worth Yeah. I would rather have a hundred no's and get one yes and they're going to be happy and I'm going to be happy and I'm going to give them the best quality work and I just decided I'm just going to start flicking cleaning these people out of the rotation it took years but finally I got I started raising my prices yeah and what I <clears throat> what I learned was nobody taught me this. This was through observation. When you go in to be the cheapest, you're going to attract a certain kind of quality of people. Yeah. Okay. You're going to get your bargain hunters. Your bargain hunters will drop you like a like a like a hot coal if they get somebody who can do it for you know. I had a lady cam me once because she found someone that was twenty five cents cheaper. Yeah, twenty five cents cheaper. Maybe it was fifty cents. It was it was nothing. Yeah, and I and I was like, I don't. And it dawned on me. See, I looked at her as a customer. I didn't realize I didn't realize at the time there were different types of customers. And I decided I don't want that type of customer anymore. So nowadays, 
yeah, every once in a while I'll still run into, it's generally a corporate account. Well, we're trying to save money. You know, it's a big nationwide deal. But for the most part, I have cream of the crop customers. Yeah. Cream of the crop. And I give them cream of the crop service. And when I raise, adjust my prices, they're like, that's okay. You know, they understand. I don't have to worry about, I don't compete down in the in the lower. Right. There's a, have you ever seen a movie called The Fifth Element? Bruce Willis. Yes. Okay. There's a scene in that movie where they're getting chased by some cops. And he, most of the city lives up high, but the buildings are really tall. And you go down below the smog mm. and you're kind of in the, the seedier parts of mm-hmm. society and that's where he hides out from them and he, you can't even see the th- the fog the smog is so thick so i decided to get out from that smog and just at that point in time i was like i'm gonna give the absolute best which i did for the most part but i wasn't being rewarded in in kind mm-hmm. so you go all the way to about 2012 or so and the third and i would say most recent life-changing event was I was cleaning, I was a Saturday afternoon, I was cleaning a house, it was probably around October, November, it was a nice day, and I had been listening to mainly fiction books on my Audible account, and every once in a while I'd listen to a historical book, and I was starting to get more into non-fiction, it's like, if I'm going to burn minutes of my life off, might as well actually get something that's real, Yeah. you know, and so I, uh, I go, man, I don't have anything to listen to. So I go through my library, and there was actually a few books in there that I had bought, but I never downloaded them. One of the books in there was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And I was like, I had heard about that book for, at that point, three or four years. I was like, whatever. I'm fine. I'll just download it. I started listening to it. And I remember I listened to this book, and I was like cleaning. And he was saying, he, every once in a while, he'd say something, and I'd go, wait, what? And I'd go back and rewind it, listen to it. I never heard this before. Mm-hmm. What? And then I remember getting home going, who is this guy? Is this a scammer or something like that? It just it can't be. It can't be just a mentality shift. And Robert Kiyosaki, uh, Nelson Nash, you know, we've talked about infinite banking. Mm-hmm. What what I've noticed in Christ even, what what I've noticed about the big thinkers is, is they don't they don't give you the granular. They give you the idea and then you have to fill go fill it in and go, Oh, it's a concept. Yeah. Right? It's a mentality. It's a mentality, right? Don't box so, yourself in. N- Nelson Nash, uh, he does infinite banking. He he always used to say it's it's caught rather than taught. You know, yeah. you kind of have to. And that's why yeah, I can I can tell stuff to people about whatever, real estate, infinite banking, money, whatever. And they're like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's not for me or whatever. I'm like, other people, I'll tell them and they'll go, wait, tell me more. Uh-huh. And then they're off to the races. That they're 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 yeah. I don't even have to do anything. Yeah, and they want to know every book. Um, give me. A, I've had a couple of people go. Give me all the, your books that you recommend. I'll give them. I don't know, it's like twenty five, thirty book business books. I'm like these books will change your life. Yeah, change radically change the way you look at money, the world, everything. So uh, yeah, so that book put me on the course that I'm on today. So uh, what what age were you when you that book entered in your life? Uh, 35? Wow. I'm 45 now. So 10 years ago. Yeah. Okay. And I could have been 36. My son wasn't, I, my, I think I either just got married or was about to get married. Okay. I started a few years before that, because 10 years ago I got married. It was, uh, yeah, I mean, I was more like, yeah, 27. Um, but it was more like, yeah, during 2010-ish. I mean, the the first, the, the physical books were 2000, uh, 
eight-ish, mm-hmm. nine, so basically around 2009, so I stopped going to college, and, and so I, that's when I got the physical books. And then I transitioned to the audio books after that. But anyway, um, cool. So, um, so what, like, so where would you have somebody start? Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or is there a different book you've found since then that you would as say? As far you as start what, here? like uh, wealth building or just changing your mentality or? Well, uh, to open up their mind, to, to get started and thinking in the right direction. I would say Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a really uh, good way to start. In American society and a lot of Europe, you are brought up to follow a system. You know, you go to um, preschool and you go to you know, kindergarten and you go to grade school and they very early on they're telling you to get in line. Get in line. There's nothing wrong with that. Kids need to be organized. We're telling you to follow, follow a format, and you go, you get in a class, and it used to be it was more lecture style. They've kind of moved away from that, finally, and they're you know. But your school, public school, nobody learns like that in real life. Okay, uh, after you graduate public school, not even college is like public school. If you think about it, they don't. It's not the same way. And then once you get past college, which I said, I think one of the reasons why a lot of people struggle to succeed once they get out of college is that ain't the real world. And a lot of the people yeah. that are in there teaching mm-hmm. never actually had a real job in the world. They just have the the uh, certification to yeah. train you how to be that. But they don't they've never really done it themselves. So um, we have these formulas. And so one of the formulas is, well, go to school, you get a good grade. So again, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And once you're done with school, you go to college and get your degree and you go work for somebody. And uh, you put your money in a mutual fund or a 401k and you cross your fingers and hope the market's not down. You give your money to some dude who is in New York City. He's living like, he's a, he's living like a dream. Yeah. These guys, you know, we think about these guys that run these uh, investment firms as being these older guys. A lot of these guys are younger than us. They're in their 20s. Yeah. Early 20s. Sometimes. But they're very smart. They think, you know, why do you think that? Well, I'm just saying because they're, they're worth it. I'm, I'm just saying compared have, to the average person. Because they have a piece of paper. Well, yeah. No, they're not that much smarter. They just know something about a certain thing or what they, they think they do. Yeah. So, and you know why? Because when we had 2008 and the market took a big old dump, a lot of those people that were the smartest people were just like, I got nothing. And there were some people who had some experience that actually could see it coming. Uh, those are the guys we should be listening to now, but nobody ever wants to listen to them because sometimes the things they say aren't, you know, aren't fun, right? So it's everybody's a genius when times are good, is what yeah. I'm saying. And so we have that formula of go give your money. You know, I've had people go, oh, I'm gonna, uh, you know, I want to invest. And I'll be like, oh, give me twenty grand. I'll, I'll turn it. I'll look at ten percent return uh-huh. in a year. Oh, I don't know who you are. I don't. You know, they'll try. Then they'll but, go around and they'll put it, it'll open an Edward Jones account and yeah. give it to absolute strangers. Yeah, they don't know. It's like, you don't yeah. know? Mm-hmm. I, I ask people, I go, Where, where's your money right now? What do you mean? How much do you have? Oh, I got like maybe 300000 retirement. Where is it? It's in my account. Okay, well, 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 they're using that money, right? And most people don't even know how those accounts work. And like, well, all they're doing is they're loaning it out. Mm-hmm. They're, they're like, thanks for the, we're going to pay you a little bit. And if we make some profit, we'll pay you a little bit more off of that. 
and they're loaning that money out. So they're getting fees left and right. They're collecting mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And they don't know where that money's going. Most there's that's going to like it's going like I said, it's, most of that stuff's in New York. It's you know people who have private jets and yachts, and you know it is what it is. But you don't have to take that course. And the world's wealthiest people don't go that route. Uh, the, what defines the wealthy people is is they have an idea, they have a goal, and they're willing to risk it all. I mean, how many times did Apple almost go out of business? How many times did uh, Tesla almost fold? Most people, you have, but most people don't realize how this close Tesla was going out of oh, yeah. business and they had to raise cap, raise capital they're always raising capital so I laugh when I see these new companies come on the scene you know like Rivian or whatever I don't know if Rivian's going to succeed or not nobody right. knows right. but they're going through those phases they're in production hell right now and people yeah. are like oh, oh, oh. it's like yeah. hey douchebag you were saying the same thing about Tesla five years ago and now you th- oh you're now you're oh, I always knew Tesla was going right. to you didn't know anything and, and, and anything can happen you know uh, there was once upon a time when Blockbuster was king of the world. And they're gone now. Um, so, yeah. so a question. Yes. Don't so yes, to, to answer that original question, I think if you're ready to have a paradigm shift, reading Rich Dad Poor Dad is a great place to start. That is a good place to start because if it opens your mind to the possibilities, mm-hmm. you might be that kind of person right. that needs to continue that. If you listen to it and you're like, well, he didn't tell me exactly what to do. I need to know exactly what to do step yeah, by step. That right person, yeah. That's not the, the route for you. You need to mm-hmm. listen to Dave Ramsey mm-hmm. and go that route. Mm-hmm. And do you think probably most people are not, they don't have the mindset. I mean, if, if you think about half of the people, or you've got this middle ground here, Average-ish, you know, and then mm-hmm. there's the dumb people. It's not a mindset. It's a, it's been trained. Trained. Uh, I've listened to so many podcasts uh, with people that do, um, you know, real estate or they do infinite banking or whatever, and they're like, I, I listened to a podcast about a year ago. He was a, a endorsed local writer, and now he's doing infinite banking. Hmm. He's he's persona non grata now with the Ramsey company or whatever, and uh, but he. He's always just see just like you, always looking for truth. Yeah, tell me the truth. They're not going to stay in an echo chamber. Uh, my pastor once said, "If you have somebody who's genuinely looking for spiritual truth, their path, they may go to Buddhism, Deism, whatever. Their path will eventually get to God. The Holy Spirit will slowly bring them in because they're looking mm-hmm. for the truth. And the truth won't set you free. The truth will make you free. You are free. Okay." Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, a lot of these people, you go, oh, it's, it's, their, it's their mentality. Well, they've been trained from day one. Follow these rules. Remember, when you're 13, 14 years old, I don't know about you, but I had people all over the place going, well, you need to get good grades. Yeah. You need to go to college. And it's like, oh, yeah. You could. Mm-hmm. Just like when, uh, how many people join the military, what are they trying to do? Get money to go to college. Yeah. They're exactly. literally willing to, you know, relatively slim chance but there's a significant chance that they are going to be put in life threatening conditions so they can go to freaking pay for college yeah and student debt right now is approaching 2 trillion it's like 1.75 trillion so 1 trillion 750 billion mm-hmm. and you got people like protesting well you shouldn't have to pay for it and you know you're Bernie Sanders and all that stuff so there's a whole industry if you go to any college you can go to the two year college over here and it looks like what a four year college would look like 20 years ago you're like, the 
had glass houses. This is a community college? Are you insane? You know, so. So after that, what, uh, at what point did you say, you know what, I, real estate is the answer. I need to get into real estate. How soon after that book did you start thinking that direction? Well, I'm a very slow person on purpose uh, because I have seen so many people lose what their fortunes or their inheritances get wiped out or whatever. And so I'm, I'm very cautious. Uh, in fact, you know, one of the reasons the thing that drew me to real estate is it's very, very low risk. And a lot of people, wow, 2008. Well, 2008, uh, if you know what what you were doing, all those houses that were had dropped, all they all recovered, and they're all yeah. worth way more now than they were even at their peak in the 2008. The flippers learned their lesson. A lot of them turned from flipping to cash Right. Flipping. Well, they had to because they were in the middle of these flips, and then they couldn't sell the house. So then they had to turn in. That's where, that's where a lot of these guys got started in rentals. Oh, that's, yeah. where they, that's where they came from. They were flippers. You were listening to, like, Bigger Pockets. Uh, especially like the first couple hundred episodes, it's like, well, I started flipping. Yeah. And 2008 happened. I know what to do. I had all this debt. I was like, I turned to rental. 2004, that's, that's what was hot. I was, we were talking, when I was overseas, I was like, man, I'd really like to get into that. Mm. But I just, you know, $27,000 isn't really, or I didn't think it was enough to get into that. Mm-hmm. And maybe it would have been, but I, college was my first. Right, thing. exactly, because you'd been coached up. So, yeah. what was the question about? Uh, well, what 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 change started me towards real estate? Yeah, the I guess? focus on the real estate uh, was your primary. Once I started listening to other podcasts, and I I would get home at night, and I would just sit in front of the computer and Google, hmm. watch YouTube videos, and I'd read articles, read articles, read articles. Is this, is this, it's basically, I, I'm looking for the BS meter that's peg and. Hmm. 2011, 12? Uh, probably around 2013. Again, see, some people are like, man, I heard it. I dove right in, not me. Because at that point in time, I had a business that was actually doing really good then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. I'm on an aircraft carrier, man. It takes yeah. a long time to turn it, right? Okay. Once I make a decision, then it's like full power. But I don't want to just, you know, at that point, I just gotten married. I only been married like two, two, three years. And I was like, man, I got responsibility now. I had a stepdaughter. It's like, I can't just frivolously go, oh, oops. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I, made, yeah. I made a boo-boo, you know. Yeah, and uh, the re- economy was not doing so hot. It was just starting to recover around 2011. The, the, the 10, 11, the oil shale was starting to kick in. And uh, so I, my whole thing was, and I constantly ask, and, and one of the things in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, they go is, don't uh, ask how. Not if I can do it. How can you do that? Yeah. So I sit there and go, I don't have, dude, I don't even have $3,000. Right. How am I going to do 30? And I'm sitting there going, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? I'm constantly listening. I'd listen to three or four different real estate podcasts a day. Wow. And I and I would take in hours and hours of data. And then I would have to stop it. And i just kind of work and I'd just be thinking. And I, I could, at that point in time, I could clean a window and saw it. And I'm just thinking. Yeah. And I'd listen to some more. And I'm just thinking. And uh, eventually, I hear the word HELOC. Hmm. What is this HELOC? Back it up. Home equity line of credit. And they're, and they're talking about stuff. Okay, so I go look it up. We owned our house free and clear because uh, my wife's dad had been killed in a car accident about six months after we started dating. And she had inherited some money. And long story short, uh, 
right after we got married, she got over $100,000, and she wanted to put it in the market. Um, I was like, look. Oh, it was before we got married. That's right. She wanted to put it in the market. I said, well, why don't we just buy a house? I said, well, have a house, no mortgage payment. Yeah. I mean, a what a great deal. way to start off a marriage, right? Yeah. And she was like, hmm, because she didn't know me from anybody, basically, at that point. And she, she saw where I lived. <laughs> so she talked to my one of her uncles, who's probably a millionaire. He's like, yeah, that's a good idea. She's like, oh, wow. okay. So uh, we, bought, we bought a house in January of 2011. 11. We looked at it uh, in December of 2010, and uh, we basically got it for what the lady owed on it, which was $136,000. That house now is worth two hundred fifty grand. Yeah, It's doubled, almost yeah. doubled. He's about two seventy to be doubled. It's almost doubled in ten years. Wow. Okay. So, well, not, but but recently in Seguin is when like the last two years mm-hmm. my house went from I don't know one eighty to or, or one one fifty. Well, it was one forty five when I got in five years ago, and now it's two ten. Well, when we used to talk uh, about a year or two ago. We would talk about HELOC. You know, like ah, I just I didn't have that much equity. Yeah, I'm like, exactly. well, I don't. I was always kind of going, well, it's just, you sh- you should have more. Yeah. You're like, well, we only have like fourteen thousand dollars or whatever it was. Yeah. I was like, well, there's not enough time has gone by yet. Right. And sure enough, yeah. Now, years, like, like the last two years, yeah. Seguin has yeah. been like this Absolutely. focus of of people trying to move in there. And, and so th- that was the thing about real. So what really was the final. You know, I don't want to say nail in the coffin, but the final, you know, dominant tip was uh, my CPA. Uh, I'm always drawn to these guys that are way more senior than me. He was like in the 70s, right? He was my CPA, very smart guy. His wife was also a CPA, but she didn't do my books. He did. She doesn't. She he's passed away. She now handles my 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 accounting. And uh, I was like, all right, here goes. I'm just gonna tell them this idea. And if they shoot it down, I'm like, I have to go back to the drawing board. And so I said, look, so we eat dinner and we're about we're almost done. Dessert getting ready to come out. I said, Hey, I want to run something by you guys. I've been reading some books and I kind of think what I want to do is I want to buy a house that I can turn around and rent it. And, you know, after all the bills are paid, you know, I might be able to make, you know, two hundred, three hundred dollars a month. What do you think about that? And what I heard was, mm, not a good idea. But what they actually said is, that's a great idea. We do it ourselves. So it was almost like the movies. I was already retorting to their negative. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, now, what? wait, what did you say? Because <laughs> yeah, it was just like the movies. And so uh, they're like, yeah. And from their perspective, they're like, oh, the tax advantages are huge. Yeah. And they're talking to me about depreciation, which I didn't know about depreciation. Wait, that's what happened in the twenties, right? I oh, know that's a depression. No, uh, yeah, yeah. you know they're telling me about this stuff, and uh, so they're like, "Yeah, we think it's a good idea." And I'm sitting there going, "Oh my gosh, man!" So it, it's real. It's yeah. true. It's all true. So not only are they for it, they're doing it right they now. They were doing it themselves. So instead of properties. just taking something you heard in a book or on TV and just going out and doing it. You ran it by somebody who was qualified to, yeah. to, to uh, yeah. yeah. Just because 
I'm I I never get suckered into stuff. I never get suckered into stuff. And maybe it means that I'm way slower to start something. If I had jumped at this stuff, maybe when I first heard about it, I'd probably be way farther down the road by now. Yeah. But that's just my nature. Mm-hmm. I'm a very cautious person. Um, so now I do things that people think are crazy scary, and I'm like, it's not really that scary. It's like it's you not need to- scary if you you know. What the risks are. How scary would it be if you told someone um, you're going to fly a F-18 and you got uh, hundreds of thousands of pounds of thrust behind you yeah. and man, we're whipping along at Mach 3 or Mach 4 and if you're not careful, you're going to be like paced on the ground. <laughs> That's very scary, but for a pilot who's trained and he knows the rules of aerodynamics and the rules of the air and how the plane works, oh yeah, no big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I know people that I have a friend of mine. He just moved a few months ago. He flew. It flew. I don't know if he still does now, but he was flying uh, the P three Orions, the ones with the radar dish on top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So he was telling me a story about I don't know if it was out of Corpus Christi. I think it was out of Corpus Christi. He had to take some VIPs from Corpus Christi to some other maybe Florida or whatever, some other naval facility. Right as they're climbing, take they taken out. It's a loud pow. Ooh. Like a loud pow. Like it sounds like the plane's about to split in half. And then it hits another pow. 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 And he's like, everybody is just like, well, everyone thought they were about to die. And uh, he, he gets on there and he goes, you know, uh, we actually have a situation where I'm radioing right now. We're going to circle around. And I'm just like, what, dude? I said, I'd be perishing now. That like so. What happened was, is it had that, that, uh, that, that that radar. his particular plane did not have the radar, oh. but there's a there's a bracket up there, right? And they have cables that go to it to keep it from uh-huh. moving in the wind. Yeah. One of the cables had snapped and it was slamming oh. into the side of the uh, fuselage, right? So they landed, and you know he's sitting there. He does a quick check of his gauges. Okay, we're not about to crash. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, but I'm gonna get this bird down as safely as possible. Yeah. So it's just those little things that you know if you know the rules then it's not that scary. You know, this house that I bought, you know, a year, over a year ago now, holy cow, man, we spent a ton of money on that house. Yeah. But I was just looking at it today. We bought that house for $27 a square foot, and now it's worth uh, about four times that. Yeah. Almost four times Seven, that. Right. Yeah, no, it's 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 over 100. Oh, it's okay. like around 100 and, what did I say, four times? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's, okay, I, I did the math wrong. Okay. Way more than what we pay for it. And he's, now you go, okay. But at the time, you're going, okay. I Everything I've read. Yeah. I'm just it should, that. this should work. Mm-hmm. It, it did. Yeah. Great. Right. Yeah. So. So whose philosophy or, uh, you know, if it's not one person, you know, are, are you mostly following? A philosophy? Um, in what respect? Well, in the in the business, real estate, uh, your your financial uh, philosophy and all that, does, is there somebody or somebody's who uh, who kind of uh, collectively occupy that where you're basically? There's not one person. Yeah. So I I cast a I cast a wide net, and uh, what I like are different things that they don't really seem like they're related. But they actually can nicely sync up, right? Mm-hmm. So, I talked. I talked. I mentioned briefly infinite banking, and I'm not going to spend time explaining it. But um, because I was listening to a real estate podcast, uh, 
Mm-hmm. I was listening to a podcast, and there's this guy. He was a he's lives in the United States now. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he's a South African guy, so he's kind of got an accent. And he's a white guy, and he's talking, and he mentions uh, people using their life insurance policies doing something called infinite banking to give loans for rehabs, and then they they use arbitra- based arbitrage. They're giving that money away; it's costing them about five percent, and they're charging ten, twelve percent. So they literally don't have to lift a finger, and they're making money off off using life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. It's not even their money; they're borrowing from the life insurance company. Wow. And uh, I was like, so infinite really, banking, yeah. right? So, I uh, long story short, I, I, he said, yeah, I, I interviewed the guy who started it uh, in on my podcast, mm-hmm. and he gives the show number. So I have to go find that. It, it was around Christmas time. I was in Sinton, Texas. It was almost dark because the sun goes down early. And I look it up, and uh, I was going to do a restaurant. It was six o'clock, and it was kind of cool outside. I was like in the fifties. I find his podcast. I listen to it. And there's an old man, you know, his name is Nelson Nash, and he's talking about this stuff. And I'm like, oh, this, okay, this makes sense. And there was so much about it, I could not wrap my head around. I'm like, I had the same questions that everyone else said. Why would I borrow my own money? That doesn't yeah, make yeah. any sense, you know. But there was something there. And that guy would quote scripture occasionally to back up his philosophy. And I was like, that's pretty good. You know, he wasn't just taken out of context. He was, it was well applied quotes, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I kind of with uh, storing money, I, I use that philosophy, and with uh, his philosophy, Nelson Nash's philosophy, and then with real estate, I kind of go with uh, Robert Kiyosaki kind of style. And so, I, but what I've basically done is I'm, what I'm doing is I'm bringing them together. So I'll. Take my money, a lot of the money that I earn from cleaning windows goes into my life insurance policy, mm-hmm. and then I take that money. And uh, not yet. It, see, see, it's not. It's like a, the first revolution on, on a train. Mm-hmm. We know when to go. You see that. Well, the, you're using the HELOC <coughs> thing, which is kind of in that camp, right? And later on, you're gonna. That has to be. Money. That will eventually, by year ten, will have to be settled up because I don't. And the, that'll be over. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the I used. I borrowed leveraging. I borrowed. Mm-hmm. Um, money to buy that house, and I use we use of our own personal money. I think it was fourteen grand, and now we have a house that's worth one hundred and seventy five, uh, and of which there's probably forty five thousand dollars in equity in there right now. I could actually get a loan, a second mortgage on that house if mm-hmm. I wanted to. I'm, uh, for now. Yeah, I'm leaving it there. But so it's, you see something, you you have to get it. Yeah, right now I like having like a really tall, small mortgage payment on that. It's only like five hundred something bucks a, a month. All right, yeah. so so but I started thinking. I was like, well, if I could get a policy that is are you basically banking and basically building my own banking system, where I'm pulling, borrowing money out, leveraging the the, ca- the cash that I have in, paying it back, borrowing out, paying. That's going to continue to grow year every, every as I put in premiums. And as it as it takes dividends and pumps it back in, and as as they're also just like a bank would, they're paying me a little money to use my money because they're also taking that money and giving loans to other people, right? Just like a bank does. Mm-hmm. And so eventually, that will be worth. I, I think I figured out in four and a half years, I'll, there'll be about a hundred thousand dollars in cash value that I can borrow against. Oh, okay. And every year we're putting in about twenty grand. Mm-hmm. And uh, as time goes by, because it's compounding. 
it starts to eventually it's going to be adding like five or six thousand dollars a year just in interest yeah it's growing growing and, and then it really takes off once you get past like 10 12 13 years man it is like cranking it it, 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 it but it takes a while you know, uh, they say the most inefficient period for an airplane is when it first takes off. Mm-hmm. It's heavy. It's got yeah. all the fuel. It's, it's got it's got full power. It's got to overcome gravity. Yeah. It's got to get up speed and all that. Uh, but once you're been in your about two thirds of the way through the flight, it's at its most efficient. It doesn't hardly use any engine power. Mm-hmm. It's it's burned off a lot of its fuel and it's just cruising, baby. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So eventually, I'll be able to just borrow. Remember when I to buy a house or a quad or duplex or quadplex, I don't need to go. Uh, I need to have uh, three hundred thousand dollars to buy this property. All I need is twenty percent, yeah, or twenty five percent. So I might only need like forty or fifty grand. I'll just come over here to the life insurance. I'll borrow it. I'll buy the property, and then that property is going to start turning off money, and then that money goes back into the policy to pay off the, the loan. Yeah. So eventually, what I'll have is I'll have a perpetual money machine. One will be creating the other, which then turns around and makes the other bigger. Because mm, you can feed the. They're feeding each other. Yeah. Okay. Continuously. Feed. So right now, I need to take. And you my, didn't get that out of one book. You got that out I got of two separate philosophies. Two separate philosophies. And you need to write a book about that. <laughs> I don't have time. I don't. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember. I barely. I didn't graduate homeschool. Yeah. So, but so what I'm. But see, it works though. And 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 it's, and it's funny because when I mention I've mentioned this to a few people that are very familiar with infinite banking, and I'll hear people go, "Oh yeah, I know somebody's doing that." So I'm not the first person okay, who's thought of this. Yeah. It's the first person that I know of in my circle. But you know, so, so are, yeah. are there two books that could really identify those two philosophies? Kind of sum them up: something about real estate and something about infinite banking. That you well, real read? estate. There's been a billion good books made. Uh, again, uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. T- he talks about real estate. It's one of the things in there. There's some things about Rich Dad Poor Dad. Like he talks about getting into network marketing. Mm, yeah, I don't. I'm an introvert. I don't. Oh, there's an hour. That went by faster. We're almost done. Yeah. So I'm an introvert. So I don't really. You know, want to, but I can actually see the value in that. There's, I think there's other ways to do it. If you're so, really good and you're an extrovert and, and you can recruit, that's right. the main thing. It's right. not necessarily the sales. You could do sales, but recruiting and, and mentoring people, that's really the crux and of it. And it's funny because uh, I have, mm-hmm. that's something I've tried and tried. Yeah, and tried. It, 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 it's funny to me because I have a friend of mine, and I've told you about him. His name's Matthew. Maybe he'll listen this one day. And, uh, so when I started to realize that real estate was the future of the family, I started thinking, remember, I think in years out. So a year before I even brought it to her, I was like, Sophia needs to become a real estate agent, my wife. Yeah. She was teaching at that point, but I could already tell her enthusiasm was really starting to drop off. Yeah. So I go, huh. So about a year later, I go, I remember she was working on something. I just kind of like lean over like, hey, sweetie. So I think she get to become a real estate agent. And she goes, what? She looks at me and she goes, a real estate agent? I don't know anything about selling. And she just like blew it off. And I was like, oh, you know, you're going to become a real estate agent. Yeah. So long story short, about a year and a half later, she becomes a licensed real estate agent. Doesn't really do too much with it the first year. Uh, but two years later, she's quit and has gone full time. And now she loves it. Uh, she's probably going to hit six figures this year. Yeah. She's making almost double 
now, what she was making as a teacher. Yeah. And she doesn't have to worry about all that COVID stuff and all that. Other that, that pod, yeah, there's so much on that podcast I got from that I can refer to. It's almost annoying. But uh, one of the things they said is the real estate uh, occupation or career is the happiest. That's the one I was listening to today, actually. Yeah. 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 And the, the lawyer. Uh, the lawyer is the, the least happy. Yeah, least happy. Yeah. So a friend of mine, Matthew, who kind of like both of us in some respects, kind of was looking for the truth. Never really done well financially. I didn't know this because he moved up to Missouri. He got married in Missouri, started a family. And he, you know, he was, I've talked to him in the past few months. We talk a lot, like just as much, you, you know, I did. Recently he's had COVID, so he's trying to get back on his feet. But uh, he's like, yeah, we were always struggling. He goes, we, he owed so much money. He didn't go into details, but he goes, we were in a deep hole. Very depressing. And uh, so he talks to Sophia one day. And she had just become a real estate agent. She only been an agent maybe like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And she's like, um, yeah, you know, Jeremy, you know, he says, you know, uh, she goes, well, he goes, is there any podcasts, like books recommend? So she says, Jeremy's uh, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He says it's good. She still never read that book. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, you might want to listen to Bigger Pockets because I was making her listen to Bigger Pockets. He's like, okay. So he starts listening to this stuff and it's just like all the lights come on. He's like. And he gloms on to the wholesaling aspect of it. And so about a year ago, it was December of 2020 maybe, he started his wholesaling business. He's a postal carrier making like 45 grand a year, right, in Missouri, in the middle of Missouri, not even the big city. And uh, I know he went from zero to I believe he cleared six figures towards the end of the year. I know he was... Uh, in bed a lot the last month of the year and he's on the road to recovery but he was closing deals while he's sitting there breathing through oxygen mask and wow. is at home he's still he's still making money yeah and he's got a really good system and so he one day we're talking on the phone he's like man if it wasn't so for Sophia and I'm like hey man who do you think told Sophia <laughs> yeah. 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 so uh uh but see, but to me, a lot of this stuff, I'm just like, why is it everybody? Yeah. And it's just not even real estate, but just the way you think about yeah. money. Yeah. And uh, why is it more people? Why are more people inquisitive? Yeah. Why are people so just just like, well, that's just the way it is because they don't know oh. what they don't know. Yeah, but see, they don't care. Yeah. Well, you and I care. We're constantly going. What am I missing? It's yeah. out there, you know? And so now I listen to, uh, I, I actually don't listen to as many real estate books as I used to because now I'm actually in the middle of it doing it. Yeah. Um, but now I listen to a lot of history, business history. I love business history. I, li- I, li- I listened to huge books last year. Like I listened to the book on, um, um, uh, what's that guy's name? Um, what's it? It's Big ba- Big Banker. Uh I think he started Chase Bank. I can't think of his name right now. Big, he was a big one of the big titans. I listened uh, a Rock, Rockefeller. Listen the book about Rockefeller. Um, well, J.P. Morgan. There, I was trying to think yeah. it too because I knew it wasn't Chase. It was right before. Yeah, that. yeah. J.P. Morgan. I've listened to a J.P. Morgan book and a Rockefeller book together. Those books are over seventy hours. Wow. And we're starting. Like a lot of people think Rockefeller got rich. From making gasoline and selling gasoline, he was pretty much about to die of old age by the time the cars came around. Oh, he made his money from kerosene, from kerosene. lamps. Wow. He was like the dude with the lamps. Huh. And there's all kinds of... Like, they used to take gasoline. Single-handedly save the whales, huh? It was a byproduct. 
Yeah. And they used to just dump yeah. thousands of gallons of gasoline and in, the, in the... No, they just dump it in the river. And, oh. Yeah, I know, right? It was a different time. And the, there would be many times when the rivers would catch on fire, like up in oh the... Where was that? Ohio or Cleveland area? That's where... That's where... Pennsylvania. That's where... Pennsylvania. No, no, no. Well, I don't know. Whatever's up there in Pennsylvania. Oh. Pennsylvania is where the modern oil will started. Oh, okay. It was actually 20 or 30 years later that they found oil in Texas. Oh. And then they were finding it in the Middle East and all that. That's where it started. Pennsylvania. And that was uh, Rockefeller and all those guys up in there. What's your freedom number or, or whatever equivalent? A freedom number? Um... Well, I used to think about I used to think about a a large number, but what I've realized I don't really need a large number. What I need is lots of streams coming in. So I don't need half a million or a million dollars. I'm like okay, I can stop, but I would like to have you know twenty twenty five thousand dollars a month in revenue uh, after all the bills are paid. Yeah. And then uh, if the stock market drops or you know something happens where something loses value. Doesn't matter. I still got those income streams coming in. Hmm. So instead of having the nest egg philosophy, this is the income stream philosophy, and that's the difference between. And that's another thing Kiyosaki talks about is don't don't worry about nest egg because you'll never have you'll never know what your magic number is because if you have a, a one million dollar nest egg, well with inflation, what's that going to be like by the time right. you finally right. you know? So, so you're, you're looking for monthly income, yeah, and how yeah. it can pay. Then and the one of the things I like about real estate is real estate floats on top it's like oil on water it floats on top of the inflation yeah i just i just uh starting on in on march 1st my rental property which i've had uh, about a year now <clears throat> the ring goes up because uh my insurance going up a little bit and i'm anticipating next year my property tax is going up my note is locked it's not going anywhere it's beautiful yeah. Right, so I'll actually make a little bit more money. I'm going to make about a hundred, maybe ninety-five more dollars a month more, hmm. and I haven't really lift a finger because of inflation, what? demand. Okay, your contract with the the renter. What's one year contract? Yeah, it it, it expires on the first of uh, March, okay. the end of February. And you can renegotiate that. Oh, yeah, it's it, it, not renegotiating. It's 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 going what up. It is. Yeah, it is what it is. And you can take it. Or and it's it. funny because he he could have gone uh, signed another one year contract for fifteen seventy five a month, mm-hmm. and uh, but he decided he he wants to buy a house, um, so he decided to go month to month. Well, that's sixteen hundred a month. Oh, so I even got even more. I got $150 a month raise. Wow. Huh. It's the same house. And he's paying down my note. And the house, just through appreciation, has gone up probably about five or six, seven grand in the last year. So it sounds like your freedom number is about 20 grand a month. You're going to walk away from your business or what? From my business? Yeah, from, from cleaning with. Oh, no. I'll walk away from that long before $20,000. What's I'll, that number? Oh, that's probably around five or six grand that's what i thought that's yeah. about where i'm at too yeah i don't mind taking like once it gets to about 80 percent of what i make now or my income potential yeah. i'll walk away and focus on that. once i make enough money through real estate to where i don't uh i can pay all my bills and continue to pay fund my life insurance plans and all that uh and basically i'm cloning my income uh, i'm debt so but one, I have to be there every day, and the other one, I won't, I won't have to show up. And in the meantime, you're making twice. Well, you know, for almost, a, at almost, that point, I will be making twice. But, I'm not making twice yet. Right, but at that time, you would be, and then, you, you know, 
Yeah, it's, it's, it, you just have to wait until that step off. And in the meantime, you've got all this extra cash that you're way over, over budget for. Right. And I, been because so I have my current business, I, don't, I haven't spent one penny of the money that's come in from the rental. It's just sitting there. Yeah. I just paid the property taxes. It was, I was 1600 bucks. Uh-huh. So it's just slowly accumulating because I know there are going to be expenses that come up. Yeah. It's like I was telling you the other day, I don't anticipate this really like making gangbuster money for several years. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm in visual in my mind. I'm like, it's going to be five years at least because anytime I do take a profit, I'm just going to turn it in right back in yeah. and buy another property. Yeah. Uh, we're getting ready to, start construction hopefully in February you know it keeps getting delayed on a new house well that new house is going to cost about 230 grand okay construction loan everything's already set up I'm just waiting for numbers final numbers to come in from the builder okay that house because it's so new it's not going to have any appreciation yet it's just going to be it's going to be worth what all the houses are worth right now there's no value add to it. But in this particular area, in, in a lot of Texas, in a lot of the country, there's a high demand for rentals. Okay? Like this house right here, you're probably, this house would probably be 1700 or 1800 bucks a month if you're renting it. Yeah. And it's not a special, spectacular house, right? Right, right. So I know there's a high demand. So what do you do there's a high demand? You satisfy the demand. And in this particular case, I already owned the lot. It came with that house I bought. Might as well put another rental in the service. So I'm only expecting that thing to cash flow uh, $250, $300 a month at first. Yeah. Because I can't charge more than what the market will bear. But the market's bearing more and more so and more. It'll actually have less cash flow than your current. The older one, right. Yeah. Because yeah. the older one uh, was all in, was is going to be like uh, eighty grand cheaper. Yeah. Because it's not a brand new building. It's not a brand new building. But the brand new building part... But the brand new yeah. building also is cheaper because, uh, like, my insurance will be cheaper on that one oh. than the other one because everything's up modern, up to code, mm-hmm. brand new, twenty twenty two code. Um, nothing's gonna break. I mean, I might have maintenance issues. Oh, someone so kicked the hole in the wall. Okay, I'll pay a guy to go cut the thing out, put a new in, take texture it, paint it. Yeah. Two hundred bucks later, it's it's like whole, it's like brand new. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing going to go wrong on it. It's brand new. Right. When we did that other house, that's why it's so expensive. Is I overhauled oh, wow. almost everything. And you're still very, cash flowing pretty. pretty yeah, I'm cash flowing. I'll be cash flowing almost five hundred dollars a month off that one rental. Hmm. So when the other one comes online, I'll be close to eight hundred dollars a month. And that's after mortgage, insurance, taxes, property management. Property manager. Well, by the way, I don't manage these things either. Yeah. I don't touch You hire them. somebody. That's 10% of your revenue. 10% of the gross of the rent. Yeah. So she's going to get a little raise too. Yeah. Now. Uh, and that's fair because, you know, she's heard mm-hmm. income flow. Sure. So I'm building this new business to be able to run completely without me being present. Whereas my window clean business, I didn't know. Uh, now it's, I have to show up. Are these two houses going to be under the same umbrella so that if you need more repairs or something for whatever reason, you can... You can go back and cannibalize it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At first, yes. I'm only have two. Uh, yeah. two. Eventually, you eventually I will have a uh, an umbrella corporation, yeah. and I'll have different subsidiaries. That, that's for asset protection. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't, if you get sued, you don't. They don't get them all. Yeah. So you, you basically have little mini corporations that have you know, three, four, five houses each in them, and then they're under one big one. And you manage everything, and that corporation pays you. 
to yeah. run it. But the the whole point is is I want to be able and you, this is the thing. You could go up to a guy that's 15 years old. He's got his whole life ahead of him, and you can go, I'll give you a million bucks right now if you give me six months of your life. Hmm. Well, you can't do that because you right. can't buy time. Yeah. And that's the one thing money can't buy, oh, but it yeah. kind of can Transfer buy. Transfer six months to you. Right. There's yeah. a movie that's got uh, uh, oh, Justin Timberlake in it. It's called In Time or Out of Time or something like that. And that's the whole premise of it is the wealthy have time and they don't age. And they just have they just keep buying more time. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to work or while no no working. no in the in this it's a dystopian oh, future. Yeah, yeah, you okay. can actually buy days and time. Oh yeah, I it, saw your that. wealth and there's like a little thing on their arm. It tells yeah, you how many days and years and all that. Yeah. So the super wealthy people they've got like hundreds of years. Yeah, and they can keep adding to it. The poor people they they got to keep on working because they only yeah. have like a month or so of life on them. Oh yeah, and it'll yeah. just like it'll stop their heart or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, don't they die. die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's, it's, it seems silly, but it's actually a very interesting thought because it's kind of what we did. When you're learning from other people, you are buying time because now you can implement their stuff mm-hmm. and save yourself from learning the hard way. Standing on the shoulders of greats. What can you see yourself doing with your time when you are financially independent? you got more time to do whatever you want. A lot of naked lounging. Like naked lounging. The boys at school, the wife's out on the real estate. Who <laughs> needs underwear? Uh, with my time, uh, we touched on this the other day. We we're just talking. I, I definitely want to be able to travel. Uh, you know, I, I this is my fantasy. My fantasy is is you know maybe like my wife's business is going full steam. She's got it set up. Uh, Jet, my son, maybe he's got two or three weeks for winter break or whatever. Hey, you know what? Let's uh, get online. Let me get to one of these super, super nice beach houses in uh, Hawaii. Mm-hmm. On, on Maui. Yeah. Beachfront. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. We didn't have to go. Oh, let's see. What's the, Who has the best rate? And yeah. Oh, if we leave at 4 a.m., you know we can save $175 yeah. on tickets? <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. want to go. As a matter of fact, people go, oh, you're going to fly first class? Sure. No, I can do a timeshare on a private jet. Uh, timeshares. Yeah, they have timeshare. Well, it's not timeshare. You actually uh, are renting the jet, basically. It's like oh. it's like Uber for jets. Oh, okay. Yeah, Uber, except the drivers, you have the pilots. Oh, okay. There's several of them oh, now. Cool. And uh, yeah, that's a whole other nice. place you could possibly invest in in the future. So you could just fly private hmm. and just okay, here we are now. And I the the idea. Of being able to just walk on a beach or whatever, and then then you know, me after a month, I'd probably be like, I need to get back to work, you know, and just go back to work, mm-hmm. or you know, sitting there in church and you and you know you're sitting there watching and somebody gets up and they're like talking about how, you know, my husband he's recovering with heart attack and just we just need a lot of prayer right now. Things are tight financially. You just kind of listen and go. Mm-hmm. You go to the pastor and you go, right hey, uh, the Smiths over here, what's going on with them? Yeah, they're not doing so good. And I'm like, all right, let me make an anonymous uh, $10,000. Yeah. Or or tell them bring their bills yeah. and we'll take care of them. Yeah. Okay. Do the church. Yeah. And I don't want to, and I would tell people, I don't want people to know I'm doing it. One, for two reasons. One, I don't want people to come up with yeah. me, hey, it's yes. my bill. Yeah. And two, I don't want there to be a way to uh, boost my ego and pride. Right. I want it to be, and when you do it anonymously, Nobody, nobody knows where it came from. It just came from the church, and it keeps you in check and going, oh, look at me, yeah. everybody. Oh, look at how, aren't I so great? You know, yeah. kind of keeps you in check. So I would love to be able to do that. We had, I got to do that a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. 
she'll probably never hear the podcast, but I'll, I'll be as discreet as possible. There was a woman in our church who uh, she uh, lives by herself. Her husband left her. Her, her children grew up. She's good, good woman, God-fearing woman. You saw her probably today if you knew who I was talking about. Long story short, she was driving like 180 miles a day or so to go to work. And she's in her 50s, I think, late 50s. And her car is just like on its last legs. And the pastor came to me and another guy and said, hey, you think you can find her a good deal on a used car? Like, yeah, this is about two years ago. And so eventually the decision was made that we're just going to get her a new car. Mm-hmm. And so the pastor knew some people that had some deep pockets. And they, were, they were all going to chip in. And I was like, hey, you know what? Um, can we put like a $1,000 in there? I was like, yeah. So uh, we did. So. And she got a brand new car. It's not nothing fancy. Yeah. A little, but it's brand new warranty mm-hmm. right off the deal. In fact, the uh, secretary took her to the car lot. And there was the car that she was going to drive off in sitting there on the showroom floor. And they're looking at cars. And so she's looking at it, and the church secretary's like, what do you think about this one? Oh, wow, this one's really nice. Now, at this point in time, she's thinking she's going to get a used car, and she's going to put in half, and maybe some other people will help her or whatever. And uh, she's like, oh, this is really good. And she's like, okay, well, this is going to be your car. And she's just, for like a solid 10 seconds, she's just like, hmm, what are you talking about? Hmm. And when she realized the church had people that she doesn't know who they are got together to help her, she just starts breaking down. Mm-hmm. And to me... Coming from poverty, I know how that feels. And I'm like, yeah, I want to be on that side. I want to be on the side where I can just kind of oh, we, give. We were helped more than one time oh, yeah. at, at, at Believer's Bible and other churches as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on your deathbed, what do you want to be able to say about your life? Um, About my life on my deathbed? Yeah. Uh, this kind of... This kind of moves past that, you know, utopian uh, that that end game, mm-hmm. and kind of is looking back on. All right, if you put yourself there, you're dying. Your your son's there, you mm-hmm. know, he's fully grown adult with uh, kids and everything. Maybe your wife's there. What? what which wife? What is your message? Yeah, I've been, I've been this time. I've been married four times. <laughs> <Yeah. Okay>. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> sweetie. <laughs> uh, I, I the guess first thing you're going to do when you're a millionaire. Like, all right, time to. All right, time you to guys already got your settlements, okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess what I would like to say is I think I've done well, and I can't say that now, but assuming I lived to 80 or 90 years old, I've done well with the time that God blessed me with because they're little kids that don't even make it out of the womb mm-hmm. or there's people that make it to 10 years old in other countries and they get they die of starvation or a bullet or whatever or you know you're just are born into some horrible part of inner city you know chicago there's like and you just you almost don't even have a chance right so to me it's a blessing even though i went through some really hard times uh, I've been blessed a lot. So I want to just, instead of just going, wow, I've accumulated a lot. That was a little bit about this morning. They were talking about that accumulating a lot. You can't take it with you. Right. So I want to be able to go, I've done well the time I've, I've uh, been given and that it isn't just going to be sitting there. And you're not going to, you haven't asked this because you know to ask it, but I told my wife, I said, it's not enough that we have a large portfolio of properties or whatever, and then Jet gets it as inheritance, because what's to say he's not going to frivolously blow it? 
Okay. And so what we're going to teach, my son's seven years old, and I've already just recently started in the last six months or so, little tiny little lessons about money. Um, not only will he inherit that, whatever it is, it could be thousand properties mm-hmm. all over the country. Yeah. I want him, before I get to the point of death, I want him to be able to run it and I want him to grow it. Mm, yeah. So it's not enough just to be handed. No, no, I'm giving you a, a billion dollars in properties or a hundred billion or whatever. Now double it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big mistake that people make is they go, well, I've done all this and I'm going to hand this down. There have been many families that were very wealthy and their children got it and they just ran it in the ground because they know what they're doing. Mm. They know what they're doing. Or their grandchildren. Maybe start them off with a house or something like something. that. Something. Uh, you were talking about Brandon Turner uh, on that one podcast. Uh, he bought his daughter a, a quadplex or a triplex the day she was born. It's in her name. Wow. And he's going to teach her from a very early age. Uh, there are children through their parents' help that have real estate properties at like 15, 16 years old. Mm. And, and their parents are, okay, what are we, what are we going to do here? And they go, oh, no, 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 let's think about that. They're guiding them, which is what you're supposed to do. Imagine if you had a ranch and you had a couple of sons. You wouldn't just go, okay, go to school. I'm going to take care of everything. And then on your deathbed, here's the ranch. Mm. It was, what if they don't know anything about ranching. Yeah. You sit there and go, this is how you do it. Mm-hmm. And by the way, make this ranch bigger mm-hmm. and grow it. It's not enough to inherit. You have to be able to grow it. So in order to grow it, you have to know the fundamentals of how wealth works, mm-hmm. you know, and that way he can teach it to his children and that way that it doesn't just end. It's a generational thing. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that sounds like uh Was that a wrap? Yeah, that's a wrap right, right there. Yeah. Good place to end it. Yeah.